This episode of the Get in the Game podcast featuring Los Angeles Angels first baseman Albert Pujols is brought to you by the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports and faith, visit sportsspectrum.com. Now, let's get in the game. Hello, welcome to Get in the Game podcast with your host, Scott Lyman former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad. So let's dive right in. Well, hello everybody. This is Scott Linebrink. I'm here with the Get In The Game podcast. And uh, I'm very honored to have the guest that we have today, Mr. Albert Pujols. Albert, how are you? Good, brother. Good to see you, man. Thanks for you- having me. You too. Absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you are a guy that really needs no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out a couple of stats uh, for anybody that hasn't watched baseball for the last 20 years. Uh, you may not know that Albert was a 10-time All-Star, a two-time world champ with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. He's now with the Anaheim Angels. He was a three-time National League MVP, and I could keep going on and on on all of the uh, the things that you've done <laughs> and accomplished, but it would take most of this podcast. So, uh, we'll just we'll stop it right there. But uh, one of the one of the all time greats here. So uh, I'm just, I'm really honored to have you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, brother. You bet. Well, um, this podcast, uh, you know, I want to dig in a little bit into your background uh, because I think it probably says a lot about you as a person, which is really what I want to talk about. Um, the baseball stuff is great, uh, but the things that you have done off the field are equally great and um Mm -hmm. some people may know about that some people may not but um but yeah let's let's start with you growing up in the dominican um i'm i'm Mm -hmm. sure that's a a a pivotal part of what made you who you are and maybe you can just Mm -hmm. tell us uh how your childhood shaped who you are and your experience growing up there well thank you um well i was born and raised in the dominican republic you know i was raised uh you know at the age or three years old, uh, you know, my mom and dad divorced. So I was raised by my grandma. So I know probably in the last 10 or 15 years, a lot of articles that I'm the youngest of 11. When I'm the, the people say I'm the youngest of 11, I'm not. I'm, they say that because my grandma's raised me and she had 10 kids and I'm the younger one. So uh, I was raised with, you know, my grandma, my grandpa, my dad, and, and some of my aunts and family members, you know, and um, just like a, a young little boy in the DR going to school and playing baseball. That's, you know, that's what, uh, you know, when you're a little kid and, and you're a teenager, that's all you want to do, you know, play baseball, kind of proceed in the dream or having an opportunity to, to be a professional baseball player. Um, around the age of 15 and a half, almost 16 years old, I got the opportunity to come to United to the United States with my dad where we came to New York for a, such a really like short time, like about a month. And then I moved to Independence, Missouri in Kansas City. And that's where, uh, you know, my journey started going to school and graduated out of Photo State High School, uh, went to and got drafted by the Cardinal in 1999. Wow. 
So going back to the Dominican, um, I, I read somewhere, you know, talking about how you would hit limes for baseballs. Um, you know, you obviously <laughs> came from a pretty humble beginnings um, and then mm. to where you are now. But how, how did that experience? I don't know if you would say you grew up, you know, in lower class or, or what class you would say. But but uh, I'm sure that, you know, I would say I, w- I would say I was in the middle class, maybe below a little bit kind of in between. Uh, you know, I guess going to now, you know, 20 years later or 15 and a half years later with my foundation, I really see some really poorish community. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I never thought that some of this area where we do the work through the foundation even exist. So I, I'm a big believer that if it, I wake up and I have breakfast, lunch and dinner, I wasn't poor, you know, like I, I, you know, you're talking about a third world country where people go to bed scratching their hair, their head, not thinking why they're going to feed their kids the next day, you know? So thank God I never had that, um, that problem in my life, you know, uh, growing up and as a young boy, like a lot of my friends had, you know, but uh, it was a really experience for me to know and allow me to learn so much, especially now with the things that I have accomplished going back and give it to give back to the community, allow me to learn, you know, seeing my grandma, my grandpa, my father, you know, taking, you know, their food and give it to their neighbor. You know, as a young little boy, you see that and you're like, wow, you know, that's pretty awesome. You know, because I always believe that that education comes when, when you're young, you know, education doesn't come when you're a teenager or, or you the 20 or 25 year old, you know, it comes when you really in the young age, because all of us as a young little kid, how do we want to be? We want to be like our father. We want to be like a mother. So I always believed that, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, a great role model for me. I think the only problem that my dad had, it was, you know, trouble with alcohol, which that helped me in the long run, you know, to this age, I haven't touched, you know, alcohol in my life, you know? So I think it's one of those things that, that growing up, I, I saw my family, you know, giving me a great education. And, and yes, there was a really young, humbling uh, experience for me in young age. Uh, I used to play with a car ball. I used to have a, like a car box milk, and when it was empty, I used to make a glove out of it and we would play catch with my neighbor with the lime, you know, a lime tree. We would have picked a lime or lemon and we just play catch with it, you know. We would have played in the street with license plate. Uh, we bent the license plate. We put one in each end and it was like a partner and you throw the ball and you play to 100 runs, you know. And then how you get the outs if you knock the plates, it was one out. And then you play to three outs, you throw it hard as a pitcher, you know, and you try to hit as hard as you can hit it. And if you hit a home run, you just go back and forth and count your runs, you know. So it's a lot of little things like that that it helps me so much. And, and you know, we always figured out how to play games in the string. It was a really healthy uh, environment, you know, um, you know. 35 years now later, I, I won't say that that is the case now in my country. You know, I don't see that. And I think that that thing, those little things that I grew up doing, uh, 
we miss it, you know, and especially my kids. And it's so funny because right now my kids, you know, <laughs> ask me, Dan, so bored, let's go do something. I'm like, man, you have a pool, you have an iPad, I'm like, you have a phone. I'm like, I didn't have any of that. I'm like, be creative, you know, and do something. So, but it was helping, it was fun. You know, it was a really great environment and great, you know, uh, I had a great family that gave me a great vacation. Yeah. You, I really appreciate what you said right there that, you know, if you wake up in the morning, you have breakfast, you're not poor. And it, you mm-hmm. know, poverty is really a matter of perspective. And I think, uh, you know, the difference between you and me, um, I grew up in the United States and I, I probably didn't get a picture of, um, where you grew up in, in the Dominican until much later in life, until going to places mm-hmm. like Honduras and, um, Mexico and, um, and Haiti and seeing, you know, what, mm-hmm. what poverty, you know, really looked like. And, um, yes. and yeah, it's, it's not until you really experience that, that you can have an appreciation and, and that then leads to compassion and a desire to want to help. And so you got mm-hmm. that at a very young age. I didn't get that until yeah. much later in life. Yeah. But, you know, but that didn't stop you from serving. You know what I mean? Like when you make those trips, like it make you want and more and go back and, and do more and, and like make you appreciate, like you said it a minute ago, what you have, you know, and the little things that we complain here about it, the 13, you know, 1300 miles away or 2000 miles away, people really need it, you know? So I think, you know, all those things, we don't, we don't learn until we allow ourselves to do those mission trips and to, because myself, I tell you what, beautiful country of the Dominican Republic and going with the foundation once or twice a year in the off season, it really changed my life, man. Like I was like, wow, I didn't even know that this place exists in my country, you know? Because as you know, you know, they just sell you, you know, the TV, the nice, you know, hotels and the beaches and all that stuff, you know, but really where the, the, the people that are suffering, they don't, they don't put that on TV and, and it's tough. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just blessed, you know, to have an opportunity to be able to give back not only here in the United States, but also in my country in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And you have done that plenty. Um, and faith, you, you mentioned that you're blessed. Faith is a big part of who you are. We've already uh, talked about it before this call, before the, mm-hmm. the podcast started. Um, I was reading a little bit about your faith history, and there's a lot to read about uh, your journey in faith and, and how your grandmother was instrumental. Your wife actually um, mm-hmm. led you to the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. you, you found faith before you found fame. Um, because mm-hmm. I read that you you came to know the Lord uh, probably about three or four years before you made it to the major leagues. So yes. how, did, how did that foundation of faith keep you grounded in the middle of fame? Well, for me, uh, it's everything. You know, knowing the, my relationship with God, uh, that there's nothing better than that. Uh, through good and through bad times, because there's been a lot of good times in my life, but also through bad times, you know, uh, all things, you know, and I, and, uh, we need to acknowledge God, you know, even through the bad times, we had to acknowledge him too, because at the end of the day, those hard times that we go through is to build our faith, it's stronger in our relationship, closest to him more, uh, you know, so... But for me, you know, it was at a young age. Uh, I met my wife, you know, and 
at that time she was my girlfriend. She, you know, she started inviting me to church. And really, after the third week of going to church, uh, I asked her, I was like, babe, what is, what is that that they, that they do, you know, when they go to the front? And she explained to me a little bit what it was. And for me, it was really whether I want to go to hell or heaven. And, you know, she's put it as easy as that. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go to hell, you know. So about the fourth week, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. And it wasn't until I got to the big leagues in 2001. Uh, that I really learned about more like being around guy like Mike Martini, Woody Williams, J.D. Drew. I mean, a strong, solid Christian believer that that I was like, yeah, I call myself a Christian, but I wasn't living it, you know, until I saw those guys. And I remember we used to have a, uh, a faith day at the stadium. Well, they call it faith day now, but there was a Christian family day at the stadium in 2001. And they asked me to give my testimony. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean my testimony? Like, I didn't know that. And after that, I really started, you know, digging in and really digging in the word and just learning more about the, the good news of the gospel, you know, my relationship with the Lord, because at the end of the day, that's more important than anything that I have accomplished in my life, you know, because everything came so quick for me. I mean, I only played one year in the minor league. I went from able to AAA in one year. And then next year I was in the big league. So fame and success came really, really quick to me. But I think one thing that kept me humble was my relationship with God, knowing that I never forget where I was coming from, uh, you know, knowing that through hang, I was able to, to serve others and to uh, care about others and not on myself. And it's beautiful, man. It's, it's been a beautiful journey, you know, and, I always use the illustration that the Lord would have given me a thousand pages and say, write what you think is going to happen to you at your age of 41. I wouldn't even come close to this journey and this success, you know. So I, I praise in every day and that doesn't make me perfect. That doesn't make you perfect. It just, you know, it's something that we make mistakes in our life. But the beautiful thing is that the Lord don't come to us and condemn us, you know, he comes to us in love and kind and joys, you know, and that's something that no matter what this, the word said out there about us or how people look at us differently, the Lord always look at us with love and kind. And that's mm. something that we had learned in our life. And we need to pass that along to others, you know, even, even through some challenge, you know, uh, you know, and I'm able to, to do that. Well, and I'm sure as an older statesman now in the clubhouse, you're doing the same things that Woody Williams and Mike Matheny and those guys you mentioned are doing for the younger players too. Of course, because, you know, I have a friend of mine that always challenged me. He's from San Luis and he's the pastor. And he always say, Albert's more than just a baseball game. Mm. You know, it's more than a baseball. And, and I asked him, what does that mean? I'm like, the Lord has put you there for something mm. bigger than the game. And, and I believe on that. I believe on that. And, you know, I use every opportunity that I can to try because our, yeah, we, you and I, we, we play the game. We love the game, but our job, as you know, is, is to preach the gospel and, and just get to save lives. You know, I'm what we, we don't get to save it, but we let, we, we get to plant that seed, Yeah. you know, so people can, to know the Lord and, and give their life and then see the transformation as you and I have done in our life. 
and there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be a part of it. Like you say, um, you know, there's a, some people that plant the seeds, some people that water, some people that harvest, um, but just to be mm-hmm. involved in, in any part of that is, is really a rewarding thing in the life of someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. let, let's, uh, let's shift to the foundation that you started um, because I know that that had a lot to do with your desire to give back. And you mentioned, you know, it's much more than baseball. Um, and you have used your platform in a way to, to serve others, to, to bring life really to people. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you started the foundation and what the foundation does? Mm, that's great. Um, well, I started the foundation in 2005, as I mentioned uh, earlier before we started coding. Todd Perry, you know, came to me in 2004 and he lay we were in San Luis in our house and he laid this plan of how he wants things to, you know, how the Lord was showing him this vision and, and this thing, you know, and I was like, my wife and I, we were so young. And, and like I told you, success came so quick that, you know, we weren't not, we didn't jump right away. We, we told him, okay, we love it. We love your plans and, and, and looks great, but I don't think we are ready. And we pray, we pray for about a year. And then in 2005, uh, 05, 05, uh, and then our number five, which is weird. Hmm. <laughs> but then you look at number five and it's the, you know, it's the number of grace, you know, it's, uh, it's incredible. But then we decided to start the Pugas Family Foundation. As you know, I have a daughter, my oldest daughter, Isabella. She's 23 right now. She has Down syndrome. So when I got to San Luis, that was something that the Down Syndrome Association of San Luis was struggling with. And so I started getting involved with them the first couple of years doing uh, the, uh, the tournaments and be kind of like a spokesman person for them and, and kind of just being in a light for the for the association and then in 2005 we started our foundation and we started doing our own our own event we started with five or six events during the year whether it was bowling or golf tournament or, or biking for the for the the kiddos uh, the down syndrome kids to do over 120 130 events now you know 15 years later which is amazing bro wow. um you know Every time in December we have a dinner, and you know, you can see all the during the program they highlight all the all the programs that we do and all the activities that we do in the course of the season, and it's crazy, man. And that doesn't slow us down because even now through this pandemic, you know, we are able to do different things. You know, not as much, but we still at it. You know, and it's pretty amazing. But like I told you earlier, it's the group of people that I have around me. You know, I have a, a great team. And then also, um, you know, uh, in 2006 and 2007, we started making mission trip. We took the foundation way beyond our expectation, what we were even expecting. We didn't know. And we started taking our foundation down to the Dominican Republic and doing mission trip three times a year and taking, you know, doctors, dentists, uh, people there that were sponsoring our foundation. And uh, it's been really amazing, man, how God... Uh, really have his hand all over this and as you know uh, you know our focus is faith family and others you know mm-hmm. if you go to the Pujos family foundation you know we put all our faith in god and, and knowing that it's about the relationship and, and i believe that's 
that's part of why we are blessed, you know, that we just don't do things. So people can say, oh, look at Alupo, his wife and the team, they're doing great thing. No, it's not about us, man. This is about serving God and serving, you know, people down in the Dominican Republic as well here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Can you think of when you took one of those trips uh, down to the Dominican? And I know, of course, you had a lot of experience growing up there, so you knew what you were going to see. But maybe somebody, one of those doctors or somebody that you took down, can you think of an experience um, when you went down with them or, or seeing the light come on for the first time for maybe somebody that's, that's in that environment? What, do you remember anything like that or stories that you could share about that? Well, to us, our first mission trip was everything in 2006 because, you know, when we took that group of dentists, the first uh, trip that we took, we served close to, I think, uh, 3,500 kids, you know, and adults. I mean, you're talking about these people never have seen a dentist, dental, uh, you know, uh, clinic or have anybody have taken them or, and we were able to, to, to bring a team down there of almost, I think, uh, I think we partnered with some of the doctors down in the DR, but there was close to 15 or 20, uh, you know, doctors. And um, I, I, I think for, for me, the experience, uh, I, I don't have one really specific moment that I could say, wow, but like when we all see afterwards and we go to dinner, um, you know, after we're done working the whole day and we go to dinner and I just sitting around in this one table, whether it's in the restaurant where we're eating or in my house, like just to see the doctor and the joy of every doctor talking about, we need to do this. So already planning ahead of 2007 when we, we haven't even done our trip. They're like, oh yeah, next year we need to do this. You know, just see the joy and the life, man. And just, they don't want to leave, bro. Like I normally try to break it where I give him one day off, like in between or even the last day of, of the trip. So they have to enjoy the country and they don't even take that day off. They want to continue to work all five days. You know, we normally go from, from Sunday to, to Sunday, work uh, from Monday to Friday. And sometimes I like to give him Saturday off and they, they don't want to take Saturday off, you know, mm. they, they want to continue to work. So those are the experiences that I have. And I, and I knew after our first trip that we were going to have success. And then after that, then we start different programs in the community. And then we have, you know, uh, different um, people that have donated to our foundation, you know, where we start building churches, homes. Uh, clean water, you know, we have, uh, I'm sure you, you know, about Willow, um, mm-hmm. you know, the organization Willow, we have, you know, done, uh, uh, we have uh, worked with them and we brought clean water to some of these bates and it's been pretty amazing, man. It's been pretty amazing. And, and every year for, uh, for me, at least, I always, I always enjoy it. Even though I know what I, I'm going to spend, but I always enjoy it, man. And I think that's the beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I love uh, how you said that. And and that's something I try to teach my kids too. I think we probably all told our kids at some point, it's better to give than to receive. You know, we try to teach them uh, gift giving around uh, birthdays and Christmas time. Um, but, you know, that's sometimes... right. Your left hand, not what your right hand that's is doing, right. you know, just because that's the thing, you know, like that's where I have a lot of, 
problem, you know, because the media and everybody wanted to cover it. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. I don't, this is no, this is not about me. You know, it's about serving. And because remember, some of these places that you're going in, you know, some of these people, they they probably haven't seen a camera, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, a camera crew. And then, you know, when you carry camera crew people with you, I mean, you're talking about seven or six bodies that you're bringing with you. And like, you know, people don't want to be filmed and especially in those kind of situations. So I tried to really work with the community and make it really comfortable. I mean, there's an area right now which that's almost like a a second home for me like mm-hmm. i go there man i feel like i'm like i'm welcome as soon as i i step out of my car you know i feel so safe and, and we have built churches home and baseball field you know and i can remember in 2006 when we went there was nothing around there and you know just seeing the community growing and and just you know thanking us for for the things that we've done there it's pretty amazing you know and you know that's why i say there's no way that i can take that credit but give it to god albert let me ask you this question would you say that that giving is something that you have to practice in the same way that you have to practice your swing to make sure that uh that you're in time uh is is that something that that you need to make sure that you're doing continually or you'll forget how to do if you don't practice well, I, that's something that I do. That's something you, you can forget really easy uh, because there's so much distraction, but that's something for me that, and my wife, uh, we know that whether it's our first check, you know, knowing that, 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 you know, that 10% or whatever we decide, we, we give some time beyond, we don't have a number. Mm. We don't have a number. You know, I know a lot of people like, oh, you know, the Bible say this or that. I mean, you get what you have, sir, but, as, you know, the Lord know, knows you hard mm. better than anybody. So um, we can recall when we were tied in with nothing, you know, giving, you know, $5 to now giving, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And, you know, I don't say this just to brag. I say this just to see how the Lord has blessed us so much, you know, and, and we cannot forget where the blessing has come from, this from him. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's our main priority about giving back, whether it's giving back to my church, whether it's giving back to a pastor, whether it's giving back to a program that we believe in the VR, whether it's giving back to a program that we believe here in the community, you know, but it's about, you know, giving back because, you know, at the end of the day, Scotty, you know how I, I, I looked at this. We cannot take any of this with us mm. when the Lord is calling. When our last day is here and we're over, we cannot take, you know, our home or our nice car. But you know what? We can take the great memory and the smile that we can put in all these people's faces. That's and right. that's something that, that my wife and I and my kids, you know, we, we have teaching our kids that, you know, um, and, and we are so thankful and grateful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, the joy that you get from giving, uh, as you say, that that's what you can take with you. Um, it's indescribable. Un, yeah. Let, let me ask you this, because um, I'm sure that your foundation probably helps in making those giving decisions. I'm sure that you hear a lot of great causes. How do you and your wife and the foundation decide what to give to? How do you make that decision? And, and what would you tell somebody that's trying to decide where should I give? Mm-hmm. 
And that's a great question, you know, because a lot of people, uh, you know, I have a lot of players, you know, and they come to me and they're like, well, you know, I want to give, but, you know, I don't believe in this person that is going to do this or that. And like, you know, at the end of the day, they, the Lord is calling us to give. If you give to a church and the church decide to do something with the money and know what you would love for them to do, that is not your problem. <laughs> and that is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're going to have to deal with God, <laughs> with mm-hmm. that. But for us, uh, you know, I think uh, the decision goes with the fruit, you know, like, you know, when we give to a, an organization that we believe, we see the fruit, you know, and we pray, we, we ask God that to show us, you know, okay, Lord, you know, there's this money here, where do you want us to, to, to go to, where do you want us to put it into a program or what organization do you want us to uh, to give it to? And sometimes he shows that, you know, but uh, there's other time that they would just give because we believe that it's the right time and that's the organization that we believe, whether we haven't heard from the Lord, you know, but it's like that's something that we believe in our organization and we have given to them, you know. Mm-hmm. But most of the time when we, when we tithe or when we give away, we really are taking our time and we are really prayerful about it. You know, we just don't do it just because, you know, we have to really believe into the program. And then how, you know, it's with it by the fruit, you know, by the fruit at the end of the day. That's how people ask me, well, how do you know if it, well, by the fruit, mm-hmm. that's what the words say. You're going to see fruit. I mean, if I'm giving something in that program, doesn't have the success and I believe that that wasn't you know then the next time around or the second time around I, I won't do it I won't invest that you know because mm-hmm. I want to invest you know where I'm going to see prosperity for the kingdom not even for me but for the kingdom mm. yeah that's great um, so tell me this with all the things that you've accomplished on the baseball field uh, you will be remembered as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Uh, I'm honored to say that I've, I've played on the same field with you. We had a couple of uh, great matchups there, but uh, but talk about your legacy and how you want to be remembered. What what is what would you say would be the most important thing that people could take away from from your time on the field? Well, for me, it's it's not even what I've done in the field. For me, it's uh, you know as a strong. Christian guy uh, that served the Lord first in the community and, and honored God, uh, you know, because the success that I had in the field, I, I believe is because the talent and the ability that God has given me. And, and I knew the talent that I have and I knew the ability that I have, but at the end of the day, I put a lot of hard work into that because of that, I'm, I'm able to make the money that I that I'm making now and being able to help people that I wouldn't ever done, you know, if it would be for, for the Lord. So, um, that's the thing, um, you know, it's great. Trust me, all those awards that those accomplishments that you read before in the podcast, before we started, it's awesome. Uh, I don't take that for granted because it's, it's been given to me with a lot of hard work and a lot of blessing from, from above. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about serving the community and, and, and care about others, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, 
and, and that's it. That's, that is my responsibility. You know, a great father, great husband who served the community and served the Lord and, and, and really gave back. And, and that, that, is, that is the legacy that I want. That is the legacy that I want for my kids. That is the legacy that I want for my friends and, and everybody else. And I'm sure you will continue to do that uh, long beyond your playing career. And, uh, and I hope that's for a few more years that we get to see you out there. But um, <laughs> t- tell me what, it, what you think it looks like beyond baseball. What is, uh, what is a typical day going to look like for Albert Pujols after you're done playing baseball? Well, that's that's uh, really really interesting because you know that is this is my my last year uh, that I have in my contract. I don't know if I'm gonna be done after this year, but at the end of the year, I think I'm gonna make a really strong decision when it comes to that. But for me, when that day comes, I think it's gonna be more spending time with my kids. You know, after I'm done here, I'm gonna uh, have the day off today. But we talked yesterday. Uh, uh, and when we talk early today, it's, it's we're really busy, you know, with our family, uh, spending really that quality time with my family, my kids, maybe travel. Um, I had that 10 year personal survey with the team also that I that I'm going to be able to you know, to do and go to Arizona, whether it's been training or during the season. However, they, they want to use me, the team, you know, I'm going to do that. But I think, uh, you know spending time with my kids and my family and travel and 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 really serve more the community and, and travel with the foundation more often be more active they they're where i am now because as you know you know we busy for eight months pretty much so i don't get to travel as much as i wanted with with their organization or or, or with my kids but i think i'm gonna have that time free time where i can i can do all that and I think that's something that I learned through this pandemic, man. Uh, I never, in 21 years, a professional, I look at it last year. Yes, it was a horrible time that we have gone through with this pandemic. But I'm like, I always try to always look something positive from all this. against how I look at it is my time that I got to spend with my, with my kids, like during the summer. I mean, I'm like, wow, during the summer. And then for those three months, we built a program where we were, you know, walking the dogs in the morning. Then by 10 o'clock, we were riding bikes. And then by 12.30, we were swimming and ordering lunch. Or, or my wife, Deidre, was cooking lunch. And then we were watching movie. And we did that for three months, bro, just consistently. And that was really, really special. And if you look at it, as long as you played and as long as I've been playing this game, we we take that for granted, man. Sometimes, like we don't we don't know. So for me, I think that's my positive thing that I can take out of last year pandemic. You know that I was able to to spend that time with my kids like that. So so to finish it, the question you asked is is that is I think uh, you know a lot of people <laughs> prophesy over me saying that I'm gonna be a pastor and I'm like hey if that is the journey I re- I receive it. I receive it, you know, but, you know, I know that that's, you know, that's a lot of responsibility, you know, that yeah. comes being a pastor. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think I'm going to enjoy this year and, and see where, where God is taking me and, and then go from there. There you go. Well, if you do end up being a pastor, I want to hear one of your sermons. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to put a pastor. I'm going to receive it. Hey, if that is, 
God's will, then, you know, I don't gonna, I, I, I don't gonna say no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You I don't, speak, I don't want to be, a, I, I don't want to be a Jonas, you know, that's I don't right. Wanna go the other way. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. He calls you to preach. You better preach. <laughs> yeah. So last question for you, then we'll wrap it up. Um, And if you, if you don't want to answer it, or if you can't answer it at this point, don't worry, but I know this is going to be a big decision for you. And whenever the time comes for Cooperstown to call, which hat are you going to wear? (laughs) Oh man, no, I I can no answer that. Let's, let's, I, we'll do that. We we will do another interview when that time comes. Yeah. I, think, uh, I give you my secret. No, I, I, I don't. I think, you know, I just, I haven't really put any thought into it, man, because when you're out there, just, as you know, it's just so much distraction that can come to you as a baseball mm-hmm. player. And, and that's something that I, you know, yes, I do have the control, but like, I, I really haven't, put any thought about that because you know i'm gonna have plenty of time yeah. to think about it when i'm done and then you know if or when that call comes around then you know i'll make my decision then but like i will have five years you know between my retirement day and, and that time uh you know so but i i don't i don't want to get people angry on any other side so <laughs> i don't know i probably I probably won't wear one. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? I, know. I don't it's, know. It's going to be tough. I mean, you're going to make somebody mad no matter what. But I, I think it's a oh, testament. Yeah. But at the end of that day, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's a testament to to what you've done in both of those communities because you mean so much there in Southern California. You mean so much to the folks in St. Louis. So uh, that's mm-hmm. that's just a testament to who you are as a man. Yeah, it, it'll be a tough decision, but, uh, you know, I hope the people don't don't take into harm. They just, you know, the way it is. And, and maybe because of that, that probably because of that, I probably won't wear, you know, <laughs> a hat. I probably go blank, you know, I guess like, you know, a lot of other players have done it, you know, so that way both sides can be happy, you know, and I don't have to hurt somebody's feelings, you know. That's right. So. But we see when that time comes, yeah. you know, we see uh, we see how it goes. <laughs> there you go. Well, Albert, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I, again, I want to thank you for just sharing your heart, uh, how serving is just at the, the heart of what you do. And you've been truly a great guest on this show. Oh, you're welcome, brother. Anytime you have my number, test me or any, any way that I can help you. And, you know, I'm here. All right. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed getting the game podcast. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Game podcast with Scott Weinbrink, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. You can connect with Scott and follow him on Twitter at Scott Weinbrink. We want to invite you to subscribe to the other shows on our network, our flagship show, Sports Spectrum, Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday and recalibrated with Mallory Brown. We'd also love for you to check out our Sports Spectrum magazine full of great stories and content covering the intersection of sports and faith. You can subscribe at sportsspectrum.com. It's $18 for an entire year subscription. Again, the website to subscribe is sportsspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening.